We are continuing with our series on the grace of God. Today I want to talk mainly about the manifestations of the grace of God. Our main text that we have been using is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 9 in the New King James Version, and it reads as follows. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustenance our brother to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus our Lord, both theirs and ours. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our main text, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you. Note, grace is always given. It's a gift that God gives. You don't snatch it away. You don't wrestle it out of God's hand. It is given. He says to these Christians in Corinth, he's celebrating concerning these Corinthians, and he says, I thank my God always, because when I look at you, I see the grace of God that was given to you by Jesus Christ. And then verse 5, he talks how that grace was manifested. He says that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge. It's a very important thing for us to note why Paul is saying what he is saying. In the first week, we did give the background of Corinth, what a place it was, and how much there was so much evil in that place. But in the words of Paul, these women and men in the church at Corinth had experienced the grace of God. Somehow this grace that was given changed them so dramatically that they didn't look like the same people. Of all the churches that Paul wrote to, this is the only church where Paul says they were enriched in gifts of utterance. This is the only church that moved in the power of God in the gifts of the Spirit that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, the church in Ephesus was an incredible church, but even the church in Ephesus could not equal the church in Corinth. The church in Antioch, it's a model church. We use that church as theologians to model what we do in church after the church in Antioch. But even the church in Antioch could never equal the church in Corinth. To think that this church in Corinth was born amidst a place that had so much wrong, so much evil going on, so many gods that were worshipped in this place. It being a place that was like a center of people that came from all over the world because of the pot that it had. And it became a melting pot of different cultures and where people did all kinds of things. It was a place when you were in Corinth, you know, people just let loose, they did whatever they liked. And in the church like that, the grace of God is extended among those people. People who their former life was so wrong and it's so evil. And yet Paul says, when I look at you, you don't look the same. You're so different. And that grace can be seen on you because it has changed you. And when I come to your church, I love visiting you because in the church, you are enriched in all things. There's gifts of power. There's gifts of utterance. There's gifts of knowledge there. 
the anointing is moving and yet when I look at you, I marvel at what the grace of God can do. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Look at somebody and say, the grace of God is amazing. The grace of God is amazing. So this word grace was interestingly used by Paul because he borrowed from Greek mythology and from what the Greeks were practicing in those days. You know, I heard one preacher during the week, I was listening to him and he said something that I never thought of, you know. When you know it in the time of Paul, a good part of the world was Greek speaking at the time because the Greeks, you know, they had imported their culture to many parts of the world and the language of Greek was spoken extensively and so the, the, the New Testament as such was written in the Greek language. But what is also interesting is that the Greek language on its own is such a rich language that it's, it seems like it's the only language at the time that could fully express what God is doing in our lives. Let me give you one example. We have the word comforter that the Holy Spirit is called comforter. You know, the, the King James Bible says, you know, I'll give you another comforter. In Greek, it is the word parakletos. But when you study that word parakletos, it has a sevenfold meaning. It means comforter, strengthener, standby. It means teacher, guide, counselor, advocate. It's got seven words. I've remembered six. There's one more. I don't know which one. Maybe you will help me with the one more. So you must help me because I'm sorry about that. And helper. Yeah. You just help me with the helper. All right. So, 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 you know, it's amazing how God is able to engineer things in such a way. And not only that, in the Greek culture, they had a belief that the gods, because they, they believed in many gods, they had a belief that if the gods touched somebody, this person who would be touched by the gods, they would receive a special charisma. Charisma is simply from the word uh, they would receive a special charismata. Charismata is simply a gift given by grace. They believed when the gods touched you, they imparted to you a grace. And this grace manifested in your life being better, your behavior being better. It even went so far as your giftings would be better. In other words, they said, when the gods touched you, it was such a magical touch and you came under their spell, and when grace touched you, you became a totally transformed person. So different that you acted differently, you spoke differently, you had different gifts, and people who looked at you couldn't tell that you are the same person. So when Paul was trying to teach about what Christ had done in the lives of the Corinthians, he borrowed from Greek mythology, and he said, you have received grace. Now we know that it is not the gods who have touched us. We know that it is their God who has touched us. And when the God has touched us, there is grace that is imparted upon our lives. Tell your neighbor there's grace on your life. Tell them again there's grace on your life. And so what I want to do this morning, I want us to explore several scriptural passages that further explain this grace so that you can understand it and so that you can notice it. You don't need any extra thing to be done to you because the grace of God is already upon your life. Yeah. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, for by grace we have been saved through faith. It says, and that is not of yourself, it is the gift of God. 
So grace is on your life. And the reason I want to go through these scriptures is that there are many of God's people who are walking in the grace of God. Mara, abeko, awe. Tell your neighbor, awe, awe, neighbor. Awe, awe. So I, we, we, what we want, we don't want this word grace to be an academic word, just a religious word where we mentally assent to the fact that we have grace. I want you, as you look at your life unfold in different times and different seasons, you can say, that's the touch of God. That's the touch of God. That's the touch of God. Can I hear a good amen in the house? And that's the touch of God. And so, first of all, I want us to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from our main text. Paul says, I thank my God always concerning you, Corinthians, for the grace of God which was given to you. So grace here is the empowering touch of God, which always comes, watch this, in a visible way. It comes in demonstrated manifestation. In other words, wherever grace is, it is visible, you can see, you can see it. Grace, it's never silent. It's not something that we mentally assent to. When grace comes, it puts the divine power of God upon you such that you start thinking differently, acting differently, and you manifest the gifts of God, abilities that you never had before. So in other words, when grace comes, it spills over into every aspect of our lives. When you read 1 Corinthians 18, this is where we see when Paul established the church in Corinth. But in chapter 18, he doesn't make any mention of the miraculous power or the charis or the gifts of grace. And yet, when he writes to them in 1 Corinthians 2, he talks about this. He says to them, when I came to you, Corinthians, in spite of your background, in spite of who you were, in spite of everything, the grace of God came upon you. And when I came to you, I didn't want to come and preach to you with the excellency of man's speech. I didn't come with a well-crafted speech, but I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And he says, the reason I wanted it to be in demonstration of the spirit and of power, because I want your faith not to rest in my nice speech, but I want your faith to rest in the power of God. That word demonstration means something that is done to a point where it draws attention to you. Paul says, when I preach the message of the cross, the power of God came upon you in the form of the grace of God. And this grace came to you in a demonstrative way. It was seen, it was demonstrated, it came upon your life to draw attention. Listen to this. When God begins to work in your life, it will begin to draw the attention of other people. Because they know you in your past. They know your background. They know how far you went at school. They know how much you are earning. Mara, they can't reconcile what they are seeing now to what they know about you. So God is simply saying, I have put grace upon them because I want to demonstrate what I can do in somebody's life. And Paul says, I came in that demonstration of the spirit and of power. In other words, Paul is saying, when I preached, 
God authenticated this message with signs and wonders. God made sure he put a stamp of approval because when we preach, it is not a waste of time. It is a time for God to demonstrate his signs. And these signs and wonders left people baffled, bewildered, astonished, and at a loss of words. That's what that word wonders mean. It means they were baffled, bewildered. So there are people when they look at you, they just can't reconcile in talk away you know, they can't explain why you are where you are in life. They understand, they know that you come from a broken home. They know that you were poor at your home. They know at school you were not doing well. Or not one number last, but when they look at you, there's something upon your life that is totally different. And so they are left baffled, bewildered, and they don't know what to say. They are astonished. They are at a loss of words because God is demonstrating through you. Tell your neighbor, God is demonstrating through you. God is demonstrating through you. So Paul is saying, this gospel that we are preaching is not an intellectual message. This gospel we are preaching is not there to entertain you. But this gospel that we are preaching comes in supernatural power and it demonstrates something that can be seen. In the case of the Corinthians, what could be seen are the spiritual gifts that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So when grace touches us, it makes us different to what we have been before. Now the change might not happen immediately, but the change will happen finally. And it's a change that is measurable. It's a change that is visible. In other words, we are not here to play church. We are here to sit under the umbrella of the grace of God. I may not change this year, Mara. Watch this space. Next year, I'm not going to be the same person again. We are here sitting under the grace of God. You know, some of you, you, don't, you, you realize that something about you has changed. Yeah, something about you has changed. You are no longer Munu like you used to be Munu. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. No longer sullen like you used to be sullen. You realize that the way you think about your life, you have purpose, you have goals now, you have, you have destiny now, you want to do something with your life. You know, you know, am, am I talking to people who are alive? You, you're, no longer, you're no longer thinking the same way. Now here you are now, you know, so now let me swallow. You know, at least you live above sin. Look at your neighbor say it was shaya shaying you. But here you are today. Here you are today. And so God, when his grace comes upon our lives, it changes us. And that's why by us, we need to be grateful for the grace of God. Yeah. And let's not forget that grace is to be made available to all people. Secondly, in Acts chapter 4 verse 33, Something else is said about grace. It says, as the apostles went out to preach, Acts 4.33, it says, and with great power, somebody say great power. power. Say it again. Say it again. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And watch, hearing, and great grace was upon them all. Read it with me, hearing, and great Say it again. So you note in that scripture there are measures of grace. There's great grace. There's grace. There's great grace. There's another kind of grace. 
But here's the point I want to raise. These apostles, as they went out preaching, the Bible says, God put grace on them. And when he put grace on these apostles, as they preached, as they gave witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was great power in manifestations. Now, I can understand that because, you see, when you go around preaching, it is not everywhere where you get results. Sometimes you can preach in a place outside my Ankara, you were never there. And Paul is saying, when you went out preaching, this grace came and enveloped you. And when this grace comes upon you, it gives you results so that you have results in what you labor in. I don't know how many of you know, you can have all the right script, everything in place, everything planned, every I dotted, every T crossed, and never get the results. And Paul is saying, the Bible is saying, when grace is upon you, you will get the results. I see you getting results wherever you go in your life because great grace is upon you. And so this expression, great grace, it tells us the effects of grace. In other words, when grace touched them, when grace came upon them, when it became a mighty touch of God, they were successful in their enterprise. Don't ever look down upon success. Don't ever take success for granted. It doesn't come every day. Even if things might be where they ought to be and you have all your ducks in a row and everything lined up properly, you might not enjoy success. But when you see success come, then you know that great grace is upon you. I see great grace upon your life. Number three. In Acts 11 verse 23, the Bible speaks of Barnabas going to the church in Antioch. He visited the believers in Antioch. Note what it says. It says, and when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was led. So which means the grace of God can be seen. It's something that can be seen, something that can be witnessed. In other words, it's not just something that can be believed. It's not something that we only know in our heads. It is something that not only can it be seen, others can testify about it. Don't blame your family members when they come to you for counseling and they ask you to pray for them. There's something Bible They may not admit to it. They may not say so. But there's something Bible in you that you yourself don't see in you. Because the grace of God can be seen. You know, when they talk, they say, but you know, we may not agree with this thing. There is something. Or better still, some others come to you and say, Oh, Sky gets a bit lawyer. Now, why would a lawyer? Somewhere. And because we know a bouncer, why a lawyer? But I can know you, it's the grace of God upon my life. Can I hear a good amen? No, it's not because a lawyer. It's not because I have any special thing. It's not because I'm any special person. It's because of the grace of God. If it was not because of the grace of God, I wouldn't be having what I'm having. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Somebody say it's the grace of God upon my life. It's the grace of God. And Barnabas, when he went, he sees these Christians in Antioch and he says, I can see something is different about you. You know, you know, it's amazing even when you are young, when the grace of God is upon you, it can be seen. 
and you have even older people responding to your leadership. The nice thing about the grace of God and the favor of God is that even if Ulisse Boshua, when the grace is upon you, you remember, you remember, you remember Joseph when he was in prison. orange. But even if we're orange, when the grace of God is upon you, the Bible says, and, 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 and the king, the leader, Pharaoh, when he saw Joseph in prison, he saw that the favor of God, the grace of God is upon him. And he realized that wherever Joseph is, the favor follows. Because when favor is on you, it follows you wherever you go. He says he took Joseph and he put him in charge because he saw. So God gives you a position that you don't deserve because the grace of God is upon you. Because it can be seen. Yeah, you can see it. You can see it. I mean, you have the same job with somebody. You are from the same school. But when you look at the outcomes of your life, they are much more further than you. Oh, am I, am I talking to people who are alive here? And the problem is you can't compete with somebody upon whom the grace of God is because it's not going to help you. You work the whole night and one other are sleeping the whole night. But when you look at the outcomes that are further than you, I see the grace of God upon your life in Jesus' name. Can I hear a good amen? If you don't say amen, the children will say amen. And I love that. <laughs> the grace of God is upon My sermon is so powerful. It's all about and some of you, you're not even saying amen where you are. Don't worry, nah. they are okay. Kids are okay. I don't, I don't mind. They can, if these adults don't say amen, let the children run Jesus. Grace is upon her. Bless the Lord. But grace can be seen. Number four, Romans chapter 12, verse 6. I love this one. Paul writes to the Romans. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. You see, grace is given. Unkulunkulu decides to give us gifts. I'm going to show you later. There's nobody who's left out. You see, some of you, 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 you feel like you are not gifted. And you think you are not gifted. Because you, you, you know, you, you know, I heard people who say, no, I've never had any gifts. I've never been good in anything. Oh, wrong, oh, son. It says, having then gifts, what's what it says, differing. So everybody has a gift or gifts. Usually it's more than one. And it's different to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, I'm so glad I don't look like you. And I'm not like you. Just tell them, I'm so glad I'm not like you. Uh, but look at look at your partners. I'm so glad I'm not like you. And listen what Paul says. Having then gifts differing, watch, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. The word gifts is charismata. In other words, there are these charismatas, these grace gifts. Note. They've been given to us by the grace of God. In other words, you don't have to work for it. And if you got it, don't boast about it because you didn't work for it in the first place. Are you there, Barcelona? So it is gifts differing. In other words, we've received a touch of grace and God has given us special empowering of his presence. 
And the special empowering of the presence of God manifests in these spiritual gifts because he imparts this charisma, the ability to move in these particular giftings. And then he says, when you have that gift, use it. Why? Because your gift is not for your benefit. You see, some of you, you have gifts, but you are sitting on them. I mean, look at, you know, Tando leading us here. She's singing so well, our worship leader. She sings so well. Can you imagine if we didn't have that gift being used for the benefit of everybody? Can you imagine I penalize one in the shower? I'm nothing without you. It's not going to benefit anybody. But my goodness, when she sings, we all join our hearts in prayer and in worship towards God. Oh, come on. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Yeah? Don't you just like that rough voice? It's nice in church, right? But can you imagine it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. What am I saying? That some of you, that communities are waiting for you to give leadership because you have the gift of leadership that you receive by the grace of God, Mara, you're not using it. Yeah. Yeah. You're sitting on it. Some of you, you have administrative skills. Some of you, you are gifted to work with people. You know, I've realized it's not everybody who's good with working with people. Some people are good working with machines. Because a machine, a machine doesn't care the mood you're in. It's, it's a machine. When you press a computer, it doesn't say, ah, Mara, you're in a bad mood. Ah. Even Siri doesn't say, hey, recalculating, you're in a bad mood today. You know? But there are people who are good with people. You just know how. And I've never understood companies... You know, in their front desk. You know, in the reception there. Yeah, now you know, you can feel me now, right? You can feel me now. Up until that time, you were not saying amen. Now you can feel me. Oh, what about the people who are working more, more the call center? And some of these people, you know, sometimes, you wish you could say something as a polo swang to them. Anybody knows what I'm talking about, eh? I've never wondered why we have so many misplaced people in the world. But that's the reason why we have so many unfulfilled people in the world. I'll come to that later in the sermon. Because they're in the wrong spot. They're operating in the area where they don't have grace. So I was in a grace. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Or better still be jealous of everybody else who's doing it. And Paul says, hi, Corner, we have these grace gifts that have been given to us. But which means, because it's a great gift, because it's a grace gift, you can succeed where others are failing. Oh, yeah. You get a guy with a leadership gift or a girl with a leadership gift, you take them to a company that's not working. And in a year's time, they've turned the company around and it's profitable again. Take somebody who doesn't have a gift, they take a profitable company, but yet they're even bankrupt. Because they are a misplaced people. Ask your neighbor, are you misplaced? I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. Number what? Outlast number what? 
Number five, 1 Corinthians 3.10, Paul says, I love this one, I love this one. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. That expression, according to the grace of God, which is given to me, in the original, you can better translate it as follows. Paul is saying, being dominated by the touch of God in my life, I became a wise master builder. Being dominated. Now, this is important. Because Paul is writing to the Corinthians. Remember what we said about him when he came to the church in Corinth, he saw something that was different. Paul is actually saying, I came to a point where grace came upon my life. Even if I've been preaching all along, I could preach, but I couldn't build a stable church. I couldn't build anything that's sustainable. I couldn't build anything that was there that was flourishing. But something happened to me. Grace was imparted to me. And when grace was imparted to me, I was able to build. Not only did I become a builder, I became a wise master builder. I was able to build something that is sustainable, something that is there. He says it's an ability that I didn't have before, but when I was dominated by this grace, I was equipped with the ability to be able to build. This is important to me because as you've heard me give the testimony, when I was prayed for on the 4th of September 1983, I remember when God's anointing came upon my life, I was asking God, God, what is this? God said this is the anointing to pastor a church. I didn't understand it back then as I understand now. But I can tell you for sure from that day, I was able to build a church. Now when I say I not mean my power, God helping me, but I was able to know what will make a church work. Even if I've been to Bible school, even if I've studied theology, it's another thing to build a church. Many of you know, even if you can study finance and know everything about finance, it's another thing to run a business. You need a grace. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You need a grace. And from that day, I somehow knew supernaturally how we must run a church, what we must do, how we must plan. And funny enough, when we did it, it did it. When we did it, it worked. And so this is what I want to bring to you. Isn't it funny that many of the people, not most of them, but there are several people who are leading in many sectors where you find that the sector they're leading in, they never studied for it. Ay, come on, now. Come on, let's talk. I don't know why I'm standing this side. Let's talk. Let's talk. Or even better still, I know even in ministry, it's even worse, even in business. There are many people in ministry, in business, who actually never went to school. Peter and John were a point in case. The Bible says about them, when, they, when, they, when, they, when the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders caught them, and they brought them before the courts, trying to persecute them, they knew that they were uneducated men. Mara, they took note that they had been with Jesus. 
So even if they didn't go to school, there is something that they are doing that for sure, this is not because of their knowledge. This is grace upon their life. Can I hear a good amen? Now, now, just in case you think I'm saying education is not important, that's not what I'm saying. It's very important. What I'm trying to say is this. Get educated in line with your grace gift. Because if you don't do that, oftentimes we have people who've got certificates and they can write the best thesis you can ever get in an area, but they can't function practically in the same area. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. There are many people who are, who are great in terms of finance, but they can't even run a business. They're unemployed. They don't know. And then you have the guy down the road, and they're running a credible business. And they're doing well. Why? Because of the grace of God. Oh, I see the grace of God upon your life. Paul says, Paul says, when the grace came upon me, I became a master builder. And I like the way he uses the word build. Because in life, you build a ministry, you build a career, you build a home, you build a business. It's building, it's a, it's a process, it takes long, it takes time, it involves process, it involves different things and different seasons. It means you must be strategic, it means you must think, it means you must bring others on board. I see you building and it's the grace that helps us to build. It's grace that helps us build. It's easy to destroy what somebody has built. It's easy to divide a church and take members and run away with it. It's easy to divide somebody's business and take away their customers. Mara, listen to me. You can take away their customers, but you cannot take away their grace. You can take away what they've done. You can steal all everything about them. Mara, you can't steal what God has placed upon them. Dr. Nwaka was telling me, you know, and he shared it here. But he was telling me in detail, in his church, he had a huge division in the church. One of his closest leaders, who was very close here, senior leader, broke away with 22 churches. Yeah, 22 churches. We went there to help him. 22 churches. So when I was talking to him, he says, Bishop, those, he said, now we have 22 more churches and more. He says we have planted again more than 22 and he said something that I liked. He said and the atmosphere Motsona is different. You see things that have been taken by a coup they may be there but their environment is not a nice one. The presence Moyona Yongoba Unkulunkulu Uti absent Angingene Lap I am not part of a coup. Oh, oh only but it's a coup. That's why you so you want to make a coup. And Paul says, when grace came, it helped me to be a builder. Be aware of where God uses you to be a builder. Because it's by the grace. It's not every time. It's not all the time where people are able to succeed where you are succeeding. It's not always where they're able to handle what you're handling. It's not always where when it has been broken, it's able to rise again. It is not always from defeat and you're able to stand on your feet. It's not always where you start something in your pocket where you run your business from a room or from a garage that you see it. It's it is not always. It can only happen. When grace is upon your life. Because it's grace that helps you build. Can I hear a good amen? 
Can I hear a good amen? I see you as a builder in the name of Jesus. Because of the grace of God. Somebody shout grace of God upon me. This is why, therefore, I respect a calling. Whatever area God calls you into, I respect a calling. Because God will never call you without equipping you. And this is why everybody that God calls, most of them felt unqualified. <laughs> Moses says, who am I? Jeremiah said, I'm just a child. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Gideon said, I come from a poverty-stricken home, can number last. Because when God calls you, he's not calling you because of what you possess. <laughs> he is calling you for what he's going to put upon you. And when God calls you, he's going to equip you. I see God equipping you for every... And that's the problem of being misplaced. Or being in the wrong thing. Doing what you were never called for. Because if you are never called for it, there's no equipment for it. So you just have to steal other people's ideas. You just have to save our lawyer. You just have to try and take away what they've done and criticize what they've done and run down what they've done because with all your best efforts, you just can't equal them. But when the grace is on you, it does more than what you're expecting. Here's another thing. When you operate in your grace, you get more results with less work. <laughs> you do this much, God does this much. I'm Because when grace comes upon you, Udula it's a sign and a wonder. I see that grace upon your life, but when grace is not upon your life, and when you are in an area where grace is not released, you feel uncomfortable. Because I break it into into But I see grace upon your life in the name of Jesus. Number six. Number six. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul writes so much about grace in the book of Corinthians. He writes to them, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> and his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all Yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Let me break that verse down for you. You know, most people read this verse and say, yeah, I wanna, I'm not living right. Things are not going well. I'm losing. I am what I am by the grace of God. Eh, that's not what Paul is saying. Yeah, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul says, I used to kill people, murder them. Trying to stop them. I've been wrong. But on that day, as I heard the letters from the chief priests to persecute Christians, God met me on my way to Damascus. And he struck me off my horse. And I had an encounter with the life-saving power of Jesus Christ and the grace of God. And from that day, God 
God started a process of molding me and shaping me and training me and changing me. When I look at what I used to be and when I look at what I am now, I can definitely say I am what I am by the grace of God. That's not who I was. But when I look what I, where I am, it was not because of my intelligence. It was all because of the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul says, you see me starting churches. You see me preaching the gospel. You see people being healed. You see signs and wonders. You see me traveling all over the world. You see me writing all these books to all the different churches. Even the ability to write so many books. I am what I am. (sighs) By the grace of God. But then he says, and his grace that I received from him was not in vain. Paul Paul says, you know, God can give grace and put grace on your life, but it can all be in vain. Why? It becomes in vain when you don't operate in it. What Dr. Miles has said, so many people go into the grave and take books they should have written. Businesses they should have started. Enterprises that should have been there. They take their gifts and their abilities into the grave because when they lived, they were in the wrong spot. In the words of Paul, they never operated in their grace. No, when grace came, it was not in vain. I'm doing what the grace has imparted upon my life. Watch. He says, I'm working so hard and I stop. You know what? It's really not I who's working. (laughs) It's the grace of God in me. He says, when you see me overworking myself, right? When you see me waking up in the morning and going to bed at night, it's this grace. I just can't stop doing what I'm doing. I don't even have to be paid to do what I'm doing. I don't know where I get all these ideas. I don't know where I get all this ability. I don't know why I'm so motivated. But it's because this grace in me. Because when I serve in my area of grace, I am upbeat. I feel anointed. I feel strong. And this is why we have people today who work half-heartedly. Because they're misplaced. When they're supposed to knock off at 4, at 3.30, if they're operating a, 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 a call center, they're no longer taking calls. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a bishop, I'm a if they're working at home affairs. Come on now, let's talk. Come on, come on. Why? Because, you see, we have this mentality. You know? So, no passion. No connection to what you're doing. Even what you're doing with your hands and it's not where your gifts lie. It's not where your passion is. So there's nothing in here that makes you to want to work longer, work harder, work with excellence. But when you're in your area of grace, this grace will make you work even if nobody recognizes and nobody, you are not listening to what I'm saying. I can tell you of the many ministers I know, many, many ministers who have started churches, many, many of them, particularly those who were pioneers and many pioneers of businesses. Many of them spent so much into the business and never reaped the rewards of it for many years. 
Put all the money in the business. Because when you're in your area of grace, you will sacrifice everything. Yeah. You're not quick to reap the fruit because you are building. Tell your neighbor you're building. Yeah, you understand that you're building. You're building. And very often the founder, the, 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 the leader, whoever, whatever you title you want to give to them, the company can't pay them enough. I'm telling you. Because there's a lot more they do outside of the prescribed office hours. Yeah. But some of you, when you are, when you are employed, the first question is, how much are you going to give me? No grace. Next thing is, what is your plan for my, for my, for my, for my career development? When I started reading the church, nobody asked me how much did I want to be paid. Nobody. Nobody asked me. Nobody. nobody. Actually, nobody asked me. For the first three years, I never got paid. And nobody asked why I'm not paid. I have an issue to settle, guys. <laughs> Nobody. Use the garage at home. I was using the garage go hire as an office. My sister volunteered as a, my PA, my first PA. She was never paid to. <laughs> Why was that? Grace. Something in you. Yeah. She, she woke up. She woke up in the morning one day. One day. You know, one day I... I had had somebody who came in as a PA, Maramotona Icon. No, Onasa Fitlika Nako. You know, we were supposed to start at eight, half past eight, asotli, nine asotli. Some of you, Wautla, Onale Stories, I said, tell. I think, I think the Holy Spirit is helping somebody. And those of you who are employers, I'm trying to sort out these issues for you. Late, and then next thing, they don't do the job. You give them something, you come back, they haven't done it. I, well, I had to, 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 to tell somebody, I mean, in the first month, in the first month, in the first month, I had to. And so I then started doing my own secretarial administrative work. And then one day, then I see my sister there, she comes in and she's there in the morning. And she's sitting there and I say, what? She says, no, I'm here to be your PA. Oh, serious? We never negotiated payment because then the next apatalo after all. <laughs> In the garage, starting a church, leading a church there. Yeah. People came for counseling, administration. We prayed there in the garage. We used to use the garage to store instruments there. That garage was many things. It was a practice place, it was a storage place, it was a chapel for prayer. It was an office. It was a counseling center. See, when you are starting and when you have the grace, some of you, you need so many things to get going. You want an office and then the, a corner office with glasses and all kinds of things and, and you want so much to start because you're just not in your grace. When you have grace upon you, even a small anyana thing can be used by God. When, when God came to Moses and gave him his grace, Moses asked, how am I going to do the miracles? God says, what do you have in your hand? Everybody has got something in their hands. Come on now. Everybody has got something in their hands. No matter how small, it may be a garage, it may be an outside room, it may be 20 rents in your pocket. 
It may be some business partner somewhere. It may be an idea. It might be a book. It might be a prayer. Everybody has got something. Yeah. And when you, when you operate in your area of grace, Paul says, I am what I am. And he says, it is that grace that made me labor more abundantly. It is that grace that made me apply excellence at my work. It's that grace that made me make sure I don't steal the money. It's that grace that made sure because I'm building. But just those who don't have grace, they steal, they lie, they cheat, they come late. They leave early because they don't have the grace. Because they don't have the grace. They're not builders. They just hop along. But they're not builders. But I see you as a builder in the name of Jesus. Oh yeah, by the grace of God. Number what? Number seven. This is which will be the last one. I love this one. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you. God God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Always having sufficiency in all things that you may have an abundance for every good works. Uh, let's 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 uh, break it down. The word abound describes a river that is overflowing. Paul says, God is able to make his favor, his grace, his divine enablement to overflow like a river towards you. He makes all grace abound you that you always have insufficiency in all things. What he's saying is that in every season that you are going through in your life, God is able to make his grace overflow for you. Because in this life, we go through many seasons. And it is not our intelligence that kept us. It is not our good planning that kept us. It is not our good speech that kept us. It was the grace of God. And it says God makes that grace to overflow. And when that grace touches you, it pulls you from day to day, from strength to strength, from season to season. God gave us grace when the church was being attacked. God gave us grace when we lost our loved ones. God gave us grace when we lost our job. God gave us grace when our children were sick. God gave us grace when our husbands walked away. God gave us grace when our business was attacked. God gave us grace when they stole my car. God gave us grace when people were talking against me. God gives you grace that every season that comes, they cannot understand. They are not able to to destroy you no matter what they do what they don't understand is that every day you are walking in the grace of God from grace to grace from glory to glory from power to power and it is not just grace it's abounding grace they can't understand why you have peace when things are so bad around you they can't understand why you sing the praises of God when you have been so much trouble they can't understand what's going on with you they don't know it is not me who is keeping me it is the grace of God that is keeping me can I hear an amen in the house and God is able to make all grace abound 
And that is why you and I, because of the grace of God, we will not be afraid of the journey of life. Because life has its twists and turns. Life has its seasons. Life has its good times and bad times. But we will rely on the grace of God. Because we know the grace of God will abound towards us. Paul says, When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because it is in that time when I'm weak that the grace of God is supplied abundantly. Just when you think I'm off, that's when I'm starting. Just when you thought you've stolen my stuff, that's when God is going to restore. Because I'm moving in the grace of God and it's abounding in my life David understood that when he wrote the book of Psalms chapter 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me to lie down beside still waters he restores my soul Oh, he says, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when I come to that season and I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. You know why, God? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He said, surely goodness and mercy. The word goodness is the word grace, is the word favor. He says, goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life and that's why I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and forever because through every season through every season through every step God I see your grace oh God I may be weeping I may be feeling discouraged but I know that my, your grace is surrounding me I may not have all the answers for where I'm going, but I know that your grace is surrounding me. Oh God, I may not feel strong in myself, but I know that your grace is surrounding me and your grace is abounding towards me. That in all things I'll have sufficiency. And Paul writes that as a man, when he writes about his apostleship in this book of 2 Corinthians, he says, I've been shipwrecked. I've been left for dead. I was bitten by a snake. I was chased out of places. And all these things happened to me. Listen to me. Even if all of that happens to you, the grace of God. And Paul writes, he says, so I've learned. I've learned. I've learned to be content. Whether I've got food or I don't have food. I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content whether I have clothes and I have no clothes. I've learned to be content. And the reason I've learned to be content is that in all these things I see the grace of God. Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because that's a dangerous place. When the enemy thinks he's got you. When the enemy says, give him one week, you will see what's going to happen. Give him two weeks, you will see the business will close. Give him one month, their marriage is going to break. Give him six months, it's going to be the end of them. That is when you are most dangerous because when you are in that position, that's when the grace of God runs towards you and covers you. And that's when the grace of God is released in your life in proportions that you cannot be able to measure. And the grace of God takes you from strength to strength. Paul says, when I'm weak, 
then I'm strong. And then he writes in Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of God? Oh, who can separate us from the love of God? Is it trial? Is it hunger? Is it demonic principle? Is it principalities? Is it powers? Is it hate? Is it persecution? Is it plans and scheming? Is it anything? He says, no. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ah, come on, give the Lord a big praise and a big worship. Come on, somebody shout. The grace of God and the goodness of God. It sustains us. It raises us up. And the good thing is, it's not silent. It's not quiet. People can see it. And that's why Baroa Loy. Because they can understand. And that's why they say, you are what you are. Raise your hands and worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Raise your hands and just thank God. Thank Him. Thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Thank Him for His grace. Pray in the Holy Ghost right where you are. I see the grace of God coming upon somebody's life, alleviating the pain. Mama magoto rosika brotolo namakorodeya baba Evre ferba de brabadeto rosika raboko Oh gadose gadose Aela gadabra dabra kadoria dogre de sekerada Mama gorodebre de de borodebobo Thank you Jesus